All right. Well, did everybody have a good Christmas holiday? Awesome. Good deal. Well, listen, this morning, I'm just going to shoot straight with you up top. I'm, I'm probably not going to share much that you haven't heard before. But my hope is, is, is this, really. I mean, it's nothing new. I'm going to share some pretty common, well-known scriptures. Uh, but my hope is pretty much is that you would just that you would say, Lord, I need you to speak to me. We'll just kind of cut to the bottom there. Uh, at the end today, we're, we're probably going to make room and give time just for us to kind of hear from the Lord. So if you can, kind of as we're going through this, be listening, be preparing. And I just believe God's going to speak some profound things to you. Maybe it might be simple, uh, but the goal is pretty much for the next uh, the next year, the next season of your life, that you get a better idea of what he's doing in you. Is that good? So if we can, let's just open up our hearts wide to him today. Bottom line is, if you're old enough to understand a Bible story, you're old enough to hear the voice of God. Amen. So if you can get that, you can hear him. So uh, let's just pray one more time. We'll get rolling. All right. Well, Father, we thank you today, Lord, that you do speak. Father, we thank you that you uh, love us enough not to leave us kind of to wonder on our own. Father, we thank you that you uh, care for us enough and you're personal enough, God, that you not only can, but you're willing and you want to speak to us. And so, Lord, today we just open up our hearts wide to you. And Father, we just pray that you would fill it today. God, with your voice, with your presence, with your peace, Holy Spirit, we just welcome you. We welcome the anointing. We welcome your presence to come and rest upon us today. Holy Spirit, you are the teacher. Come and teach. Come and teach. We, as disciples, are learners. We want to learn from you today. And so thank you for just coming and just settling in our hearts. Father, if there's any clutter, God, anything that's just kind of running in our minds and our hearts, if we're thinking about this and that, Father, just help us to give you today our undivided attention. And, Father, we thank you that you're faithful to meet us exactly where we're at. So, Lord, thank you for your anointing. Thank you for your presence today. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I'm going to intentionally probably go pretty slow today. And... Uh, Let's kind of make this more of a discipleship moment. Is that all right with you all? All right. Good deal. All right. So, um, listen, there's something really special, maybe even unique, uh, that happens in our hearts during this time of the year. And, you know, I really can't explain it, but for some reason, uh, year after year after year, as we stand in the threshold or the doorway uh, with a with basically an old year closing and a new one about to open, uh, you know, pretty much in that moment, our hearts probably become alive more than any time of the year. In other words, when we get done with Christmas and there's that week of, uh, you know, basically about to end the new year, there's something that just stirs in us. And basically it's this, in that small window of time, it's almost like we feel fresh hope in the air. I don't know if you've ever if you've ever experienced that, but I have plenty. Uh, It's almost like we begin to uh, dream of new purpose. We begin to dream of new possibilities. Uh, We dream of new beginnings. And how many of you guys know we, we need new beginnings? Amen. A lot of times in our lives. And, you know, it's kind of wild as we as we in this week, as we refocus, and we uh, kind of recalibrate, we begin to search for new vision and new perspective. And, uh, you know, the truth is, is, you know, probably turn on your TV on the Christian channel and there's somebody preaching about what this year represents. And, and there's people that are longing to hear some kind of prophetic word, some kind of moment for what God is doing in this year. And, and the truth is, is he does do things corporately in the body, but he also wants to do things that are very personal for us as individuals. And sometimes that has to do with what's going on in the corporate. Uh, most of the time it probably isn't. Yes, because he's so personal and he wants to be intimate with us. So listen, so during this time of the year, if we can maybe uh, take a step back from the new vision, new possibilities, all that stuff. But if we really pulled back the uh, next layer of the onion, really maybe the best way to describe what's happening in our hearts as we stand in this threshold is really three words. Is we desire change. 
pretty simple. Uh, we desire changes in our marriages. If you're married in here, it doesn't matter how long you've been married. Ultimately, you can look at your marriage and go, man, there's things that need to change. Yes. Is that true? Um, we want change in our kids, especially if you have kids that uh, aren't walking with the Lord. You know, there's things or, or maybe even let's back it up a little bit. Even if you have kids that aren't uh, living to the fullest of what God has for them, there's something that even this time of the year that you're just going, God, please grab a hold of my kids. Please grab a hold of my husband. Please grab a hold of whoever that's in your life that you know that they just uh, need the revelation light to come on and see how much he loves them and all that. And what the plan, the purpose, all those things. Uh, but we look for a change in our relationships. Uh, we look for changes at our job, changes in our schools. Uh, we look at changes in our finances. R- really, the list of things that we desire to see change is is a variety. It depends on the person. It depends on the age of the person. It depends on the circumstance. And so, anyway, so if we can maybe even go a step further into this, I think if we could maybe say it this way, remove all the clutter that's in all those things from our brain, at the end of the day, what we're really longing for is this, is we're longing for change in ourselves. Is that true? Because, because really when we get down to it, what we're wanting is, is we, th- we think this, that if I can change, Somehow that'll change my marriage. Somehow that'll change my kids. Somehow that'll change my job. Because it's really that that's where it's at, right? Because the truth is, is uh, I've just learned, you know, there's things that I may that I may want to see change in my wife. But at the end of the day, God's more concerned with me than he is with her. Yes, because there's something about that. I that especially as the priest of the home that I know if I change, it's going to release things in my household uh, that would cause my kids to change and my wife to change. But, you know, and God's not necessarily looking at her or my kids. He's looking at me, expecting me to change those things. Because at the end of the day, as the, as the priest of the home, I set the spiritual temperament in the house. My wife should not. Right? If my wife does, then things are out of order. Is that fair enough to say? And the Bible does say that. So... You, you know, it's, it's what I found that during this time of the year, that longing that, that says, you know, I need to be changed makes us become uh, maybe more self-aware than normal. Right. It's almost like we, we, we take a look into the mirror a little bit longer and, and we begin to uh, take a very, let me say it this way, a very needed. Uh, sometimes it's healthy uh, self-evaluation. Yes. Are you all feeling me? You, you know, basically it's this, is that when I look in the mirror, I finally start to get honest with myself. It's like I, I, you know, as I once again refocus and recalibrate, I go, okay, let me be honest for this moment. And it's almost like if we know it or not, but our hearts are really crying out what the psalmist said. Search me, O God, and know my heart. And we can add that last part because I pray it all the time. God, if there's any wicked way within me, right? God, show me. Because the truth is that all of us are here, we're, we're at different Different stages of our lives, but most of you wouldn't be here unless you really wanted to please God with your life. True. And so there's something in there that says, God, I really need you to, to search me and know me. And, and today, I think, is really a day where we go because we're all humans. We all have stuff we try to hide. Right. Yes. Now, here's what. OK, if you don't believe me, here we go. We'll go with this. By the way, I'm going to go slow today. I'm not going to worry about a clock. Is that OK? All right. Good. All right. I wish I had a few more hours to really say everything I want to say today, but we won't. All right. So look, because y'all looking at me like I'm crazy. When, when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what did they do? They hid. That's our natural tendency is, is when is when we're in a spot where we know that 
um, we're not honoring God in that moment, we try to hide. And as if the all-knowing God doesn't already know it. You know, and, and, you know it's kind of funny. Um, I was watching, oh, I watched Screws the other night. Right, the old one, the old, old, old one. And um, and so it's kind of funny when when the first uh, ghost came, the, the ghost of uh, was that future past or whatever. Yeah. Shows you how much I was paying attention. Anyway, so uh, what did he do? He, he here's this old 70 something year old man that's mean as a snake. Right. And he, he gets in his in his bed. And what does he do? He snatches the covers over his head as if. That's going to make everything disappear. I was, and I just started laughing because I was like, that's so what I did as a kid. You, you, are you following me? So, um, you, you know, today, listen, we're so used to thinking that if we can somehow hide something that it makes it go away. But it doesn't make anything go away. God still sees it. Right. So today's really a day of this, that uh, we give him permission or maybe we hand over the keys and we say, Lord, whatever closet you want to look into, look into it. It's OK. Hey, if you want to go to the attic, there's the attic door. You can go down. Or, or you can go up. Sorry. If you want to go to the basement, there's the basement door. You can go down. I got ahead of myself. Um, you, you feel me? That you give him access to everything. Oh, hey, by the way, I got a shed in the back. That's where I hide something from my wife. But, but you know, and I can't hide it from you. That, that's really today is what we're talking about. God, we give you access to all things because at the end of the day, I need to change. Yes? Amen. So, listen, I, I don't know about you, but when I've, uh, you know, allow God to do this, uh, this process, this self-evaluation process, when I get honest with him in my heart, time and time and time again, I have found myself looking uh, for a reset button more times than not. Are you all with me? In other words, there's something he exposes in my life, and I just wish I could just start over in that moment. Anybody ever been there? So, listen, let me kind of encourage you, if you're like me, it's good to get encouragement from the Bible. But here's a biblical truth. It says this in Lamentations 3, 21 through 24. I'm going to read from the New Living Translation. It says this. It says, yet I still dare to hope. Get that. Yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercy never ceases. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. I say to myself, the Lord is my inheritance. Therefore, I will hope in him. See, guys, the biblical truth is this, is that God invites us out of his mercy to hit the reset button every single day. Yes. So let me maybe throw this thought up there at you. OK. Um, in the room and maybe we're getting too personal here, but but look, bottom line, we're, we're pastors. We know people's stuff, right? So we know what people struggle with and all that. And, and that's fine. We're family. We, we all got stuff that we're ashamed of in some way. OK, it's or or we, or we could beat ourselves up. Um, but listen, whatever's in your past, it could be a, it could be a broken marriage. It could be broken relationships. It could be, uh, you, you know, you name it, anger, resentment, unforgiveness, or it could just be you not walking with the Lord. At the end of the day, that promise is there for you. That today's a new day. That you can hit the reset button and, and it's not that, you know, unfortunately, we, we, we still pay the consequences from things. In other words, I still got to go get healing in my heart. I still got to work through some issues. But at the end of the day, the Lord delights in showing people his mercy. And the reason he delights in showing us his mercy is because he loves us more than he hates our sin. 
Are you with me? That, he, that, that, listen, if God hated our sin more than he delighted in mercy, we would never come to know him. But because he's a loving God, because he's a good God, he delights in mercy because, once again, he just wants us to walk in relationship with him. And that's why he can say, you know what, you can come to me with your mess. Just, just, just come to me. Just come. Bring that mess to me. Let's work it out. Let's get you healed. Let's get you on the right track. And then let's go. Right? Let me maybe step out here a little bit, okay? Um, if you notice in the Bible, you know, I used to think the word plans and the word purpose was the same thing. It's not. Okay? So even, and we'll, we'll, we'll quote it in a minute, but Jeremiah says, For I know the plans. That's plural. Do you understand that? It's plural. So I want you to notice something. We're, we're kind of off script here, but, but there, God has a purpose, singular. But he has many plans. And the reason is the many plans is because this is because we're humans and we screw up. And because we mess up, he goes, you know what? That's fine. And here's why this is really important. I'm telling you this because so many people think if they've had a divorce or they've had a second divorce or, or they, you know, messed up in some way. OK, they, they've given away their virginity, whatever. You just name it. Go down the the line or maybe, you know, we we got drunk and did some stupid stuff, went to jail, went to whatever. We all got a list of things at the end of the day that that um, God says, you know what? I still have a plan for to reroute you there. Makes sense. In other words, so many people think because they messed up. Well, I'm, I'm done. I missed it. God had a plan. I'm done. That's not the way it works. Once again, God's a God of hope and he's the giver of life. And so what happens is, is he's like the good old GPS that we all hate. And he and he and he reroutes us and gets us back on the track and say, OK, let's go now. Does that make sense? The, the reason I want to say it, because that's hope. Is it? That's hope. Right. All right. All right. We'll move on. So watch this. So going back to that verse where lamentations, where his mercies are new every morning, uh, I want you to please remember that he invites us. Get that. He invites us. It's him not forcing us, not making us, but he invites us to forget those things that are behind us and reach forward to those things that are ahead. He invites us to do that. You you know, it's in this sense, okay? Maybe I'm dragging too much here. But, um, you know, some of you guys, okay, so like Rachel and Mark are over there, okay? Dang, he called us out. All right, so um, they're over there. Well, guess what? They got invited to come hang out with Brian and Leah. They didn't have to come. Are you with me? But, but they, they accept the invitation and they came. It's the same way with God. He invites us to things, but because he created us with a free will, right, it's up to us what we do with it. And so here he is. He's inviting every one of us, no matter what, you know, our past looks like. It could be major, it could be minor, whatever. But he invites us to forget those things, to put them behind us, and to reach forward to those things that are ahead. Now watch this. Not only does he invite us, but he also empowers us to press toward the call, which is in Christ Jesus. Do you understand that? Am I making sense? So he invites us to come, get forgiveness, move on. But then he comes and empowers us and and enables us to basically accomplish that for which he's called us to do. So, you know, because the truth is, is this is without him, we can't do it. We can't. There's no way to do what he's called us to do without him and his influence and his anointing and his presence Right on our lives to be able to accomplish that. And so, once again, he invites us and he empowers us. All right. So that's kind of intro. All right. (laughs) So let me let me really what I want to focus on today is this is I want to focus on that call. That's really, really what I feel 
impressed by the Lord that I need to share with you this morning. And so we're going to spend some time and we're probably going to go somewhere that you don't expect. But but we're going to talk about that call for a minute. So if you have your Bible, turn to Second Timothy, please. Second Timothy. Second Timothy. Chapter one. Second Timothy is right after First Timothy. I know my Bible so well. (laughs) If you find Third Timothy, we're going to burn that Bible. All right. So, all right. Be there. Say, oh yeah. Good deal. All right. Let's start off in verse two. Chapter one, we're going to read verses two through nine. It says this to Timothy, a beloved son, grace, mercy and peace from God, the father and Christ Jesus, our Lord. Verse three says, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing. I remember you. In other words, this is Paul once again writing to his spiritual son. He says, I remember you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you being mindful of your tears that I may be filled with joy says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded is in you also. That's a pretty awesome verse right there. See the faith moving through the generations. Verse 6, here we go. We're going to start here. It says, therefore, I remind you. Somebody say remind. remind. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. We could preach there for a while, but we won't. All right, here we go. Verse 7 says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Let me just throw this out here at you. Um, Once again, he's reminding him because obviously there was a need to be reminded. Okay, and uh, and we see the problem or the obstacle that Timothy was facing. And obviously, Paul addressed it. He was struggling with fear. Okay, so and then he reassured him that God's given power, love and a sound mind. But we can talk about that another day. All right, here we go. So verse eight says, therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the sufferings for the gospel according to the power of God. In other words, you know, we'll get there. Verse nine says, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling? Can somebody say holy calling? Holy calling. It says not according to our works, but according to his own purpose. There's that word again, his own purpose and grace, which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began. Can you say before time began? All right. So the three things that I want you to notice there, obviously, we already said them all. But the first one was this, is that Paul was reminding Timothy. What was he reminding Timothy of? He was reminding him that he was called with a holy calling. OK, so when did this sacred call happen? Number three, before time began. All right. So watch this, please, because I need you to get this. Okay, I know you all tired. I know you all been staying up and eating a bunch of garbage food the last week. All right. Here we go. At the end of the day, listen, it doesn't matter how young you are in here. It doesn't matter how old you are in here. This is for you. Are you all hearing me? Yes? No? This is for you. Okay? So, once again, he reminded him of a holy calling before time began. And, and obviously we think, man, what in the world does that have to do with us? But uh, here's what I believe. Just as the Apostle Paul reminded Timothy that he had received a holy calling from uh, from God before time began, I believe God wants to remind us this morning that he is personally, personally called, anointed and gifted each one of us to do something of significance in his kingdom before time began. Do you believe that this morning? 
that God has done that for you as an individual. Okay, so do yourself a favor today. Don't think that a calling is just simply with people who have a title. It's for every believer. Okay, it's open for every believer. So watch this. The Bible echoes these truths in several passages. Psalms 139 It's very familiar. We know it. But Psalms 139, 14 through 16 says this says, I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It says marvelous are your works. What's the marvelous are your works? Look at us that we're that we're fearfully and wonderfully made of, of how we're made up. And then he says that my and that my soul knows very well, he says my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. It says this is the key verse here. Your eyes saw my substance being yet un, uh, unformed. Watch this. And in your book, they all were written. What is the they were all written somewhat every day of our lives. So God has recorded Literally, it's what it means that God has recorded every single day of our lives. And then it says this, the days fashioned or the days appointed or the days ordained for me when as yet there was none of them. Now, watch this real simple fact here. But I believe if God, God himself would take the time to write down every day of your life, then he has to have an amazing purpose intended for it. It's really simple, but I really believe that. And you need to believe that for yourself. Right. So in other words, if God did that for you, then surely he has something amazingly planned. OK. And, and watch this. And, and this is the part where in our own hearts, we got to make sure we're not hindering that plan because we're really good at that. OK, we're gifted in that. <laughs> we have talent in that of, of hindering it. But listen, we don't need to hinder it. Now, watch this. Let's take a step further. I'm going to warn you. I got a little definition crazy here, but it's good. All right. So Ephesians 2.10 is probably one of my favorite verses in the entire Bible. I love this verse. It says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So let me maybe set this up. Most of us know that the verse before this in verses eight and nine says, for by grace you have been saved. Right. We know it's obviously not of ourselves, but it's a gift of God. Right. So that we can't boast. But we understand. God, thank you. Here's what happened, at least with me. OK, we'll take a little rabbit trail here. The moment because I didn't really grow up in this thing. OK, but the moment that I gave my life to Jesus instantly, instantly, I knew I was going to preach the gospel. I knew it. Now, that scared the crap out of me. OK, because I didn't know because at that point I didn't know anything. You, you know, the, the, the best way I can kind of liken and some of you guys have been in the military here. It's, it's almost like when you take a young kid and you're saying, hey, look, man, the military is a great route for you. You're going nowhere. OK, you have no aspirations. This will cre- create discipline in your life. Uh, it'll provide schooling. It'll provide blah, blah, health care, which is very needed in these days. Right. We won't get political there. But anyway, so basically all these things, we say this is a great route for you. I cannot tell you how many kids as a youth pastor from a military town that I had that talk with and their eyes would get about that big and they were scared to death because the only thing they saw themselves is there in that moment being on the uh, in a firefight, just ducked down behind something, getting bullet shot all around them. And they were scared to death and said, I can't do that. They were looking at it from an untrained mind. Are you with me? But guys that have been trained, obviously, they get out there and, and obviously one of the greatest militaries in the world. They handle business. Right. So as they when I said that prayer, I was looking at it from a or when I realized I was called to preach, I looked at it from an untrained mind. Right. Instead of going, OK, God's will empower me, enable me to do these things. Now, side note here. OK, so you may be sitting here and you go, you know what, Pasquin, when, when I heard from God or when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't hear, hey, this is what I'm going to do. 
It doesn't happen that way for all people, but you do have to walk it out. And let me say this. If, if you don't know what God's called you to do, you really need to go spend some time on your face. And you need to pray because God will show you. L- listen, it, it is more important to God that you fulfill his plan for your life or his purpose for your life than, you go, than, than it is to you. Are you with me? So he's not hiding it from you. He wants to show you. But you need to put yourself in a position where you can show that you're trustworthy to receive it. Is that okay to say that? I'm going to look at him like I'm crazy. In other words, you know, bottom line is I just got to go seek him and he'll show it to me. All right. Taking too many rabbit trails. Going back to the verse. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I want you to notice a few words here. The word good here. This is a good word. Here we go. It means this. It means useful. If you're taking notes, please write these down. It means useful. It means excellent. It means distinguished, upright, and honorable. I'll say those again. It means useful, excellent, distinguished, upright, and honorable. The word work there simply means this, actions and deeds. It's pretty simple. But here's another good one. It says, it says for creating Christ use for good works, which God prepared beforehand. The word to prepare beforehand, please get this. It means to ordain to a point to make ready and my favorite, and it's a weird one, but it means to fit up in advance, to fit up in advance. What does that mean? It actually means to make suitable or means to be brought up to standard. So God has ordained us. He's appointed us. He's made us ready and he's really made us suitable and brought us up to standard in advance. All right. So here's what I want you to know. It's a little side note here on this one. This means that you, and I hope this frees some people up, this means that you are not an accident. Now, what I mean by that is not so much your conception. We all know that. Okay? But I'm talking about who you are. Because so many of us don't like who we are. Okay? But if we look at this verse and we understand that, that the unique blend or the unique combination of our personality, of our intellectual, emotional, and spiritual temperament... Of our genetic traits, of our likes, our dislikes, our gifts, our talents. All of those things we, we were intentionally and uniquely designed by God to fit or, or to be made suitable for his call on our lives. Am I explaining that well enough? No? Are you understanding me with that? So, so you know, listen, even if you want to take it a step further than that, if you read Corinthians and it talks about the, the nine gifts of the Spirit... The whole, it says there that the Holy Spirit gives to each one. So every person in this room has gift or combination of those nine gifts of the Spirit in you. You just got to unlock it, right? And put yourself in position to receive that. And so, but those gifts come and correlate with your personality and that, and that mix that we were talking about there to help you fulfill the call of God that's on your life. Once again, you, you have to understand that go all the way back before you were ever created Right. What it says in Psalms 119 before you were ever created, God already had that mix set up and he already basically when you were born, put it in you. But the moment you get born again, that's when all that really comes into action. Right. Because it can until the spirit of God's inside of you. And once that is the anointing, the presence, he comes and lives inside of you. Then you can do what he's called you to do. Are you all following me? That's why partially of of this. I I can't tell you how many people. that try and try and try and try to do something that they're naturally gifted at, but they can't get a breakthrough. But I've seen people who are probably less gifted, 
But when the anointing and the favor comes, it, are you following me? Because it's God in action. It's his plan. It's his purpose that's moving. All right. So and lastly, let me show you this one word. It says it says. All right. It says which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The word walk there. I, I kind of shrunk it down, but it means to regulate and, condu- and regulate and conduct one's life to regulate and conduct one's life. And then this is a really interesting thought. It, it means to make use of opportunities. To make use of opportunities to regulate, or we could just say it this way, to conduct or behave in one way, one's, one way, okay? So watch this really fast. If we put all of those definitions together, Ephesians 2.10 could read like this. For I am God's work of art. That's what workmanship is. For I am God's work of art. He created and transformed me in Christ Jesus for useful Excellent, distinguished, upright, and honorable actions and deeds, which he intentionally and uniquely designed me for in advance. And now he is entrusting me to conduct my life in such a way that I would make use of every opportunity he has given me. Does that make sense? So, listen, let me share maybe a quote with you. How many of you guys, real fast, and and we're going to slow today on purpose, but how many of you guys have ever heard of George Washington Carver? Raise your hand really high. George Washington Carver. All right. Good deal. Didn't know. He's an Alabama guy. All right. So, um, you know, some of my details may be wrong here, but I think I'm pretty accurate. But I want to give you a picture before I give you one of my favorite quotes in the world that he said. Okay. Um, I was going to know George Washington Carver was born into slavery. Right. And I think basically at a young age, his mom escaped. He was in Arkansas. His mom escaped slavery. And in the middle of escaping and all of that over the next few years, she abandoned him. Okay, and somehow he ended up being back in the same house of the people who originally bought his mom. Okay, of where, in other words, where he was a slave. And instead of coming back, he thought he was going back as a slave. But but the the family said, no, we actually want to adopt you as our son. That's how he got the last name Carver. Okay. And, uh, you know, basically a lot of slaves were named after presidents. All this way, they got George Washington. But the family adopted him. He became George Washington Carver. And then, obviously, went to school. They paid for him to go to college. And uh, in the middle of all this, he got born again. And, you know, one thing that was really interesting, here's a brilliant man. And, obviously, he went through a tremendous amount of persecution and all that. But, but the favor of God was on his life. And he ended up being in Alabama and he had other opportunities to go north where he'd been more accepted and get paid more and all that. But he wanted to make a difference in the in the culture or the society that oppressed his people. And so he wanted to give them a way to somehow when, you know, slavery changed, people were getting out of slavery to give them a way to make money, uh, to be able to take care of themselves. And here's a guy, uh, you know, bottom line, peanut butter. Right. He made it. OK. God bless him. OK. Because I love peanut butter. <laughs> Reese's or like Reese's cups. That's my jam. All right. So anyways, so so he made, I don't know, hundreds, hundreds of uses for peanuts because he wanted to stay with the with the base um, of the crop that was grown in the area from, you know, obviously it was really simple to grow peanuts. Right. It was cheap. So he made all these ways of, of things that you can make money of peanuts and soybeans and all this stuff. He was a scientist. So um, but here's what's so neat about him, I heard kind of in studying his life that he would literally wake up every day and go, God, I ask you to give me insight. God, I ask you to show me what to do. And he, and he attributed so much of what he knew and what he learned basically from just in prayer. God showed him. 
Pretty cool, huh? So he said this quote, and I hope that you let it land like a sledgehammer in your heart today. He said this. He said, no individual has any right to come into the world and go out of it without leaving behind him distinct and legitimate reasons for having passed through it. What a statement, huh? Yes, is it there? Awesome. No individual has any right. And you got to remember where he came from, okay? Because he shouldn't have done anything, right? No individual has any right to come into the world and go out of it without leaving behind him distinct and legitimate reasons for having passed through it. And I guess I can ask today, what's your reason for passing through this life? What's the, what are you going to do that's distinct and legitimate? Where are you going to leave your mark? Are you all following me? Are you all following me today? Now, listen, everybody is not, you know, everybody is not called to be, you know, an Abraham Lincoln or, or you know, a General Patton or whoever. I mean, you kind of go down, the, go down the list of great men and great women that have lived. But, but let me maybe ask you this, okay? What legacy are you going to leave your family? Let's get where it's really simple. When, you know, here's the thought that really rolls in my mind and heart a lot of when of when it's my turn to be in a casket and they're doing my funeral. What do I want my kids saying about me? What do I want my wife to say about me? What do I want my coworkers to say about me? Are you all following me? I literally, what are my friends? And that's that really. And we'll talk about it in a bit. But that's where your core values of life come from. That's how you define success. Success is not in the car, the house, the money. It's in none of that mess because it all goes away, right? At the end of the day, your legacy is where you really make your greatest mark. You know, and I, and I want my kids to know that, man, Dad loved Jesus. That's it. I, the first thing I want to say, they, he loved God. And not just that he loved him, but he walked with him. You, you, you know, because there's this verse in, in Genesis 5.24. It says, and Enoch walked with God. And I love the next part. We're kind of going to sign up. But it says, and he was no more. That is the secret of walking with God. This flesh becoming no more. That's it. So we can walk with him and know him. Right? I don't want to hinder that. So anyways, that, that quote right there, I just think that that's the kind of approach that we should have in life. You know, it's so easy. Listen, and I'm, I'm with you guys. It's so easy to go, OK, let's go do my job and let's make money so I can provide for my family. And then let's just. And you're running that rat race and you forget in the middle of every bit of that what's really important, what's really of significance, what's really here's the key word, what's really eternal. Yeah. What's going to last? In other words, in, in Corinthians, when that fire hits. What's going to be left? You know, it, and listen, it's not that. I, well, I, he was really good at video games. God don't care about that. Right. Well, he was really good at this sport. God don't care. He doesn't care. What, what, what lasts is eternity is, is what happens from my life to another person's life. And that's why it's so important that we love like he loves. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. So. Going all the way back to the top, we talked about evaluation process, right? So I, I think when it comes to the evaluation process, we, we need to be willing to ask ourselves gut level questions. Okay? And, and it's not just, listen, the, the world is so thinking New Year's resolutions, right? 
But in the kingdom, we're in a continual evaluation of our own hearts. It's not really, it, honestly, it's not really just this time. It's just where we as people tend to be a little bit more focused because we're hearing about it. So we go, oh, that's a good idea. Let me do that. But then the time we should be doing this continually before the Lord in prayer. We should, every time we read the Bible, that's really what's happening. Right? It's an evaluation process. And so we need to come away from all that, though, and ask us gut-level questions. And then here's the truth. We need to have the courage to answer them honestly before the Lord. Once again, that's the hiding thing. A question comes up from the Lord, and we go, I don't want to deal with it. And, and, and what we look like, honestly, is when our, when our spouse brings up something, oh, I can't deal with that right now. And then you, I'm, and you go somewhere. You run. Are you all following me? And you go and hide. The bottom line is, is, can I have the courage when the Lord brings something up to stay there with him, look him face to face and go, Daddy, I need you to change me. Are you following me? And, and let him watch. Under, learn how to be able to sustain myself in his presence for a length of time so he can deal with me and so he can change me. And watch this. Let me take a step further so he can heal me. Because most of our stuff that we do that's just wrong and awkward is because you can really track it back to an insecurity and a hurt and a wound. So the only place that that's going to go away is if I really go get with him. He still heals. And it's not just physical bodies. He heals that, too. But he wants to heal us in our, or he wants to heal our brokenness. We all got it. Or maybe it's just me. <laughs> maybe it's just me. All right. All right, so I do think there are specific questions that every Christian should be willing to ask. I want to show you a verse here. Are you guys okay with this? Yeah. All right. All right, so let me show you a verse here, Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 6. In fact, if you have your Bible, turn there. We really need to get in the habit of bringing our Bibles and taking notes, by the way. It's very good to do that. Ephesians 4, church. One through six. When you there, say, oh, yeah. If you're not there, say, oh, no. <laughs> All right. Here we go. Verse one. This is an awesome verse. Here we go. It says, I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord. So this is Paul writing. And obviously he's in prison. <laughs> wow. Major powers of deduction there. All right. Here we go. I, therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech or I encourage you to walk. Somebody say to walk. That's the, the same Greek word that we read a while ago in Ephesians 2.10. Okay? That means to conduct your life, to make use of opportunities. Same word. In other words, so I encourage you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. We could drop the mic and go home right there. Right? To walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. What does that, uh, what does that worthy conduct look like? Watch verse 2. With all lowliness. And gentleness with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavors to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called and one hope of your what your calling says one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. So going back to verse two there, all lowliness, gentleness, long suffering, bearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So let me just give you a few questions today that that here's the truth. I I'm not going to try to answer a bunch of questions. I'm going to ask you a lot of questions today. We're, we're kind of getting there. OK, I'm going to ask you a lot of questions and I'm not even going to attempt to answer them because you need to answer them before the Lord and you. 
Okay, this is evaluation. I'm going to help you to refocus and recalibrate. You, you know, even when, when Pastor Brian, when he came back to North Carolina, he, he brought uh, an analogy and he really and he really did it with the whole staff. He has anybody ever seen the show Dog Whisper? I've seen like it for a few minutes. Dog Whisper. But he talked about how uh, basically the the thing would uh, what poke the dog in the shoulder. The guy poked dog in the shoulder and kick him in the butt. Am I right with that? Poke him in the shoulder, kick him to get the dog's attention, to get him to recalibrate, to change his behavior. Today is really that. It's a poking in the shoulder, kicking in the butt, and, and hoping that we would recalibrate the way we live. Because, watch this, let's get honest here. So much of the way we live of what we think is normal is not normal in the kingdom. Is that okay, is that okay to say that? In other words, we get accustomed to living in a certain way, and it's really anti-kingdom. It's anti-God. It's really, um, if you want to really get down to it, is there's only two two realms, right? There's gods and there's the evil, the not so god, right? The devils. So which realm are we operating out of? And the truth is, is we can be a believer and operate out of both. Doesn't mean we're demon possessed or anything like that, but it just means that we we have some old ways that we need to get rid of. Okay, fair enough. All right, so let me ask you a few questions. Once again, based off this scripture here in Isaiah four, I'm going to ask you. 21. Yes, 21 questions. Okay, here we go. So am I walking worthy of the calling that I've received? And really what I want to say there is this, is when I look at my life, do I think, man, this life, the life that I'm living, man, it's really worth Jesus dying for. Are y'all following me? That, 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 in other words, he died for me and this life is my offering. Is that one that he went, man, I'm glad I died for that one. Obviously, he's glad he died for everybody. Don't get me wrong, okay? Because he loves us. But at the same time, am I? Am I? Maybe the better way to ask it: Am I? Am I? Am I uh, pleased and comfortable with the life that I have to give back to him? And to go, man, you know, this is what I have to say thanks for, or thanks with. Second one is this: Is am I kingdom focused or earthly minded? Am I kingdom focused? Or earthly minded. In other words, who is, whose agenda motivates me? Is it spirit or is it flesh? Am I clothed, get this, am I clothed with humility or do I carry myself with arrogance and pride? Do I act like I'm better than others? Because the bottom line, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. Doesn't matter how much money you got in your pocket, we're all equal. Right? Or how gifted you are, however, you can say it plenty of ways. Verse 4, or number 4. Am I gentle or rough with people? Am I gentle or rough with people? It, you know, if that's something that rests with, go look at the life of Jesus and watch how he interacts with people. Okay, obviously he dealt with sin, right? We know he took out the whip. But if you look at the most cases, he's a very gentle man. Yes? Doesn't mean he was a woman. So ladies, don't try to make your husband to a woman. All right. L- listen, you can be gentle and still have strength. OK. All right. So five. Do I treat people the way I want to be treated? Do I treat people the way I want to be treated? You, you know, listen, I'll be open and honest for you. There's a lot of times that I've spoken to my wife in ways that I would never want her to speak to me. Yeah. And when I and, and you know, and she's because she's the godly woman she is. She lets me know that. <laughs> And I'm glad she does because I need to get checked, right? It's good. We, that's called accountability. We do that to each other. But at the same time, when she says that to me, I, gotta, I feel about that small. 
because she's right. You know, I wouldn't want her speaking to me that way, so I need to change the way I speak. Are you all following me? Okay. All right. So am I as patient? All of us are going to say no to this one. Am I as patient with others as God is with me? But shouldn't that be the goal? Yes. Yes. Simple one here. How's my love walk going? How's my love walk going? In other words, how much love is really coming out of me to other people? Am I a person that continually brings unity or disunity to situations and circumstances? Do I bring unity or disunity to situations and circumstance? And this is really where I found out you, you can in that spot, you can really tell what kind of environment people are used to living out of. Right. Because when you're kingdom minded, you bring unity to situations because you're operating from a spirit of peace and a spirit of love. Right. But people who are so used to dysfunction and they're used to strife and they're used to uh, just mess, they come in, they explode in a place and it just messes the whole atmosphere up. I'm going to ask you in a second, but I do want to I do want to make you aware of something that when you walk into the room, guess what? If you're really in tune with Jesus, the kingdom comes with you and you have the ability to change atmospheres and places. You do. okay? Yes, we believe that. But the opposite is true. It's the same principle. If I'm in all my funk, then guess what? When I walk in the room, I can change it just like that, too. If you take if you take a moment and you stop, I guarantee you have a friend somewhere along the line that everybody was having fun. And when they walked in the room, it it was done. You, You know why? Because they brought their mess in the room. Right. They brought their dysfunction, their insecurities. And literally, it's like somebody let the the air out of the balloon. So the life just leaves. Are you all okay with this? All right. Five of you. Awesome. All right. Here we go. So uh, do I bring encouragement or do I stir up stuff everywhere I go? Let me pick up the pace. Am I a giver of life or, or do I constantly speak death and negativity over every person in every situation? This is a big one. How much God's peace do I carry? Am I at peace in my own heart? Watch this. Do I change atmospheres for the positive or the negative? Do I release God's peace or the devil's confusion everywhere I go? Is the Holy Spirit at peace around me? I'll explain that in a second. Is the Holy Spirit at peace around me? Watch this. There's a guy named R.T. Kendall who wrote a beautiful book called, uh, literally called, uh, The Sensitivity to the Spirit. And in there, we all know that the Holy Spirit, when the day Jesus was baptized, uh, that the Holy Spirit came down in the form. He's not a dove, but he came down in the form of a dove. Okay? And think about what a dove represents. Peace. And, and what, watch this. There, in, in his book, he told a story about a pastor and his wife. He said, you know, they lived in Israel, and there was a dove that, that came and made their, its nest above the, the, basically the doorway of their house. Pretty cool. And they noticed this, that when they, him and his wife would argue... The dove would leave. And the dove would, you know, basically days later would kind of come back. Kind of once everything settled down, the dove would come back. But they noticed that basically when the peace was disrupted in the house, the dove would always leave. And so, well, watch this. How many of you guys have ever been to New York City? You have that, that dove's cousin called the pigeon. <laughs> that lives in all that chaos and all that noise. They poop everywhere. They're just nasty, Right? Nastiest birds alive. And in the book, he talked about basically pigeon religion. And I love that because basically it's like we, we're so, we get so accustomed to living in that mess. 
And we forget that the Holy Spirit is very sensitive, very sensitive. You, you know, the, you know, I heard Bill Johnson preach one time. I was in Charlotte. And I went to a service that he preached and he, and he talked about. And I, I remember him being on the platform and he said that he tries to live his life like this because the Holy Spirit's a dove. And he imagines that the Holy Spirit's on his shoulder. And he said, you know, he walks real slow in everything he does. Because he doesn't want the Holy Spirit, the dove, to fly away. Because if he just starts running ahead, are you all with me? So there's something about, you know, how often are we sensitive to the Holy Spirit? See, that's part of why when people are in church and worship's going on and they're all talking, they're all being really loud and all that stuff. They have they have no clue about the sensitivity of the Spirit. Are you following me? Because, you know, listen, it's it's this. People just y'all follow me, and people don't understand that. Now, listen, I don't think the Holy Ghost is going to leave because the door shuts. Okay, I mean, don't get me wrong, but but it's just like people are just bang their loud, and it's like they live like that. And it's like, when do we ever quieten our hearts and understand that He is so sensitive and so precious, and we want Him around, right? And so we try to live from that peace and that sensitivity instead of just being. Like, ah. Am I making any sense to y'all? Okay, I'm trying to say something really fast in a hurry. All right, here we go. Let me hustle up. Um. All right, here we go. Do I serve others well or do I expect everyone to serve me? And especially when there's people that are gifted and they're talented, they think everybody's going to bow and serve their gift. Wrong idea. Listen to me. If you're a gifted person in this room, God gave you that gift for one reason, and that's to serve people. That's it. I don't care how prophetic you are, how musically talented, if you can sing, if you're great at whatever you do, at the end of the day, listen. He gave you that talent to serve the kingdom. That's it. And the moment that you get your eyes off of that and you think it's about you, you start operating from the wrong spirit. All right. So, you know, there's a verse. I'll say it this way. Me and some of the young guys were talking the other day. There's a verse that I try to keep in mind. It's, it's Mark 10, 45. It says, for the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Unbelievable verse, because if anybody that's ever lived on this earth had the right to be served, it was him. It was him. And so here's the thought that I always keep in my head, because, you know, I've seen I, I, here. I'll put it in, in our ballpark in our world. And, you know, only maybe a few of you might understand this. But but I've watched so many pastors get to a point that they think what they used to do when they were at this level in the church, they think they're above that. No, they, they missed out. Here's what the senior pastor means. It means that you are the senior servant. That's what it means. Are, are you all following me? And, and so, listen, I understand that there's things that, that you delegate and there's all that stuff. But the, at the end of the day, in your heart, you've got to be willing to serve where nobody else serves. Are you, are you guys understand what I'm saying? And the thought that I try to keep in the back of my head is this. Is the moment that I think I'm too good to serve is the moment that I think I'm too good. Uh, let me say that, that I'm better than Jesus. Are you all following me? And I'm not better than Jesus. How's your prayer life? How's your private worship life? How is it? Is it? Does it exist? Does it exist? Because let me shoot straight with you, okay? I don't care if you're called to change the nations. It will not happen unless you got those things down. It will not. I don't care how gifted you are and what great purpose God has in your mind. It will not happen until you learn how to read the word. And I mean devour it. And it won't happen until you learn how to pray a long time. And spend with him, not no toilet paper sunshine prayers. 
little quick things, but I'm talking about really pray until you really learn how to go get in your face and worship the King of Kings when no music's playing and no, no bands there motivating you. Until you learn how to dig in that area, you're going nowhere. Is that okay to say that? Listen, when I pray for the church, when I pray for you, that's really what I pray. God, that they would love the word. God, that they would love prayer. They'd be people of prayer and that they'd be people of worship. That's the that's really the goal for me in all of this is that you just learn how to walk with him. Because if you learn how to walk with him, then all the rest will happen. Listen, if you're if you're a, a parent in here, you understood, you understand that intimacy came before fruitfulness. Right. You were intimate and then you bore a child. We'll get really plain there, okay? I don't, hopefully, I'll need to break it down more than that. All right, here we go. So, so, no, don't do that. All right, so, so, but listen, it's the same way in the kingdom. Intimacy always precedes fruitfulness. It's the moment that we try to be fruitful where we're intimate that it's all about us and our works. And guess what? They're going to burn up. Yes? All right. So, uh, 20. Sorry I'm taking so long. No, I'm not. All right, here we go. I am, but I'm not. All right, here we go. So let me go back to the private worship real quick. Um, maybe this is a question. Here's kind of something I ask myself. Am I as deep as I really want to go? You understand? In my own worship, am I as deep as I want to go? Am I satisfied? Because I think in every believer's heart, we need to be satisfied with being unsatisfied. Does that make sense? Because there's always a deeper spot with him. If, if we think we've arrived, that's when pride's come in our heart. Because you, you, you're never going to arrive. So let, let, me, let me just, you know, what's my intimacy level with the Holy Spirit? If I was rating that thing 1 to 10, what would it be? What would be my intimacy level with Him? So, 20, all right, am I growing daily or have I become stagnant in my walk? And here's really where I want us to be honest. If you can, in your own heart for a minute, drop back and go, Okay, let me, let me, okay, last year, 2015. Okay, let's go 2014, 13. What has really changed in me? How much deeper have I really gone? And, and listen, if, if you've stayed the same or if you've moved a few inches, that's on you, right? Because we have an invitation and we're constantly moving forward. Now, listen, here's, let, let me kind of give you some grace here. I have spent times in my life where I went six months going, God, where in the world are you even at? I'm praying, I'm reading, God, where are you at? And, and, I, and I don't feel like I'm changing a whole lot, but it's so funny. It's like when I get, you know, I used to say this to a lot of young guys that I talked to in my office. I say, fellas, every year I look back at the previous year and go, Quentin, you were so stupid. Because I see something. But, but what happens is, is when I get another year down the road, another year, the same things that used to trip me up don't trip me up anymore. I learn from them. In other words, it's growth. I see there's changes. Even last night I made a, a reference to Jen about, wow, you can really tell that we've grown as a couple there because we used to be like this when that would happen. Are you with me? But that's not from us somehow working. That's from me being with him and her being with him. And then we come together and things change. Amen. Does that make sense to you guys? So anyway, so, so are you growing? Have you been growing? If not, man, get back to the word life, get back to the prayer life, get back to the worship life, because that's where we grow. Yes. All right. So last one here, and this may sound strange, but but is the kingdom of God at home in me? Is the kingdom of God at home in me? And I'm going to give you an example of what it means. Because I know that sounds like a really strange question, but I, I read this the other day uh, from a from a, a minister. He said this. 
And so I, got it, I read it in one of my books. He said, many years ago, when I was speaking in a particular church, the pastor informed me that because the church couldn't afford a hotel for me, I'd be staying that week with a family from his church. It says, when I arrived at the family's home, the host met me at the door, showed me my bedroom, and pointed out the bathroom and kitchen. Everything sounds really good so far. Then he said, then the entire family ignored me for the rest of the week. Says, if I asked the family members a question, they pretended not to hear me. When it was time to eat, they informed me that it wasn't their responsibility to feed me and that I could just take care of myself because they weren't there to nurse me. Says, words cannot describe how uncomfortable I was in that home. Everything that family did let me know that they wished I wasn't there. Okay, watch this. So how does that relate to us? In the context, I'll kind of go back to what he said. He shared the scripture that says, let the word of God dwell within you richly. And the word there is actually home. And obviously we know that we are a home of the Holy Spirit, right? God, God dwells within us. And so basically, does, does the word himself, does God dwell within us richly? In other words, is he at home? Is he comfortable? Or have we somehow relegated him to certain days, certain moments? Or do we give him access and make him the centerpiece of everything and include him in everything, in every conversation, in every, not just when we bow our head and pray for a meal, but in every moment? How about this? In every argument, do we include him? Are you following me? Yes? But do we include him? Do I include him in every area? So, you, you know, here's here's something, actually an old uh, quote. It says this, and this will tell you, it says, your actions speak so loud or scream so loud, I can't hear what you're saying. So, in other words, it's this, that it doesn't matter how much you say you love Jesus. At the end of the day, your life and your actions reveal how much really at home he is inside of you. Because if, you, if he was in home inside of you, he'd come out in about everything you do. Because he'd be that involved. Does that make sense? All right. I got to hustle. Here we go. Let's go fast, okay? Some people are about to go sleep on me. Ah, they're going to that turkey coma. All right, here we go. All right, so the, the, basically the way we answered all those questions there, all those 21 questions, that really determines how much I've allowed God to set his kingdom or his home up in my heart, my life. And so once again, is he comfortable with me? So... All right, so why am I asking these questions? Because this reason, all of us know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. The, the reason I'm asking these questions, because we all know that, but sometimes we forget, uh, you know, once again, if we like it or not, that those plans that God's talking about there, they hinge on, almost like a door, they hinge on, they depend on the answer to every one of those 21 questions. Mean this, if those things aren't rooted in establishing my heart, all those questions, then guess what? I'm never going to fulfill the plan that God has for me. Is that true? So, listen, many Christians hear verses like this, Philippians 1 6. 1 6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who begun a good work, that good work is the same thing in Ephesians 2 10. Once again, that, that's excellent, that's uh, upright, honorable, worthy, all those things, that he began that work that says, in you, that he has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now watch this. So many Christians hear that and they relax, they get lazy, and they get entitled because they think God's going to just do everything. Are you all following me? Yes, no, yes. In other words, we, we forget that we have a major part to play in this. Major part, okay? 
And so, uh, you know, the big thing is I've said it a few times here, but there's no such thing as autopilot in the kingdom. Right. I think I told you guys this before, uh, but Charles Finney, when, when he would go and he would stand in the mirror every night and he would ask himself, am I closer to God right now than when I woke up this morning? If we did that kind of stuff, even me, our lives would probably be a little bit different because what would happen if he said no, he would go spend time with God until he felt like he was. Right. So, in other words, he lived with the approach. I guess what? God's working this thing through me, but I got to go do my part, too. All right. So let's see if we can land this thing. OK. Um, a few quotes here that that I just kind of, you, you know, uh, you hear quotes, you hear scriptures, things just kind of attach themselves to you. And they kind of become a main part of how you view life and all that. Here's a few for me. Um, I heard this years ago that a person said this. The reason only a few people are changing the world is because there's only a few people in this world that are willing to change themselves. Are, are you following me? It's like, you, you know, listen, when I ran the school of ministry, fellas, all right? When, when I ran the school of ministry, all these young guys, every, you know, what, what do you feel like you're called to do? Go, tell us, go. I wanted to go to the nation. I want to do this one day. Okay, what you want to do? And everybody's talking about changing the world. Nobody ever mentioned, I want to change me. But to understand that the, the route of changing the nations is changing you. That's the route. It has to happen to me first. And so, you know, and basically this, let me kind of encourage you in this. Um, there's a quote that John Bevere used to say is this, what you will not confront will not change. What you will not confront will not change. So often, it's, it's like, you know, and I don't mean to be negative, but it's like, uh, you know, if you're married, you've had an argument. And, you know, how many of us had an argument, and then we somehow just kind of ignore it? And then the next day, we, okay, well, it's all better, we move on. But what happens? That thing's going to repeat itself. And until I confront it and confront me in the middle of that, then I'm going to continue to be in this crazy cycle. And it's all going to, you know, it's just going to keep repeating itself. So, once again, what I do not confront will not change. So let me ask you this today. Um, when we talk about this evaluation process, uh, who do you want to become? Not what, who do you want to become? You, you know, there's no quote that says this. I've always wanted to be somebody. I just wish I would have been more specific. Good quote. So at the end of the day, listen, when I'm praying, and when I'm seeking God, you, you know, listen, there should be some kind of target in mind that, God, that says, God, I want to be that kind of person. You know, for me, there's some core values there's some non-negotiables. God, this is the kind of person I want to be. And I spend time praying into that, studying that. All you, you follow me because that's how you get transformed into those things. So it's good to get specific. So let me ask you this. You know, when Pastor Brown preached last, he asked about your tra trajectory, where are you going? So let me ask you this today. Where are you headed? Where are you headed? You, you know, the bottom line is this. The decisions, please get this, the decisions that you make today will determine your tomorrow. The decisions you make today will determine your tomorrow. I, I have learned that nobody ever arrives anywhere on accident. A good spot <laughs> on accident. You have to be very intentional about where you're going and what you want to do. You, you know, it's kind of like this. You, you know, we're a church. Uh, you, you know, at least I'll say for me, I love prophetic ministry, okay? I, I love prophetic ministry. God's given me some powerful prophetic words in my life. But I have known that when I receive those prophetic words, I can either sit back and go, OK, God, prove it. Do you think? Or I can go, OK, God, how do I need to come in agreement, alignment with this? What do I need to pray into? What do I need to change so that can be fulfilled in my life? You, you know, here, I'll give you I'll give you a great example. I might have told you this before, but 
um, you know, when I knew years back that God was going to call me to be a senior pastor, here I am working with the youth group, okay? Um, at that time, okay, Pastor Brian and I met every Thursday at 1 o'clock. It still pops up on my phone, okay? Every Thursday at 1 o'clock we would meet. We don't get to meet that often now. Um, but those meetings became not about youth ministry. They became about senior pastoring, because I knew there was a prophetic word from the Lord that I was given years ago, and the Lord was bringing it up. Okay, now's the time. Start getting. Actually, all, he said one word. He said prepare, and I knew exactly what he meant. I knew I was going to be led to this. Didn't know where, but I knew I was going to be led to this. So then when I went to his office, here's a guy that's had great experience, great success, has done a very good job. He did such a good job. You're sitting here today, right? And so I would sit in, sit in this uh, chair, and we would chit-chat, and I would just ask questions about senior pastoring. It was like, forget youth ministry. If something comes up, we'll deal with it. But, but I need to know where I'm going. I need to prepare. I started reading books. I started getting with people who were senior pastors or, or higher up in the executive world. And I began to ask question after questions because I live by this motto, good questions get good answers. So I'd be intentional when I get around people to ask certain questions because I wanted to know. Are you feeling me? So in the middle of that, here was the motivation. I had a friend tell me this. His name is Damon Moore. He and I were on the same journey. Except he was number two man in the ministry he was in. Uh, but we both left. The month I left to come here, he left from North Carolina. He went to plant the church in Orlando, so, uh, which is cool. He used to work for the Orlando Magic, so he's kind of like going back home so to plant a church. So anyways, but he said this to me one day. He said... He said, he said, Quentin Meyer, he calls me Q. Q, my, my, my thing that I always think about all the time is that when the church calls me and says, hey, listen, Damon, um, we've been praying. We've been, you know, looking for a pastor. And, and as we fasted and prayed, we think that it's you. He said, Q, at that moment, I don't want to say, guys, I'm sorry. I haven't done what I needed to do to be ready to come and do that. Are you all following me? Yes. So when he said that to me, that I mean, I'm telling you, that thing exploded inside of me. It makes him real little to you, but it exploded inside of me. And I knew, okay, God's saying prepare. So he's preparing it on my end. He's preparing it on the other end, wherever we're going, whatever we're doing. And now it's my responsibility to do my part to get ready for that so that when it happens, guess what? It's game on. Let's go. Are you all following me? So, so that's why it's so important for you to go, okay, God, what have you called me to do? Because if, if you don't know, listen, guys, if you don't know what God's called you to do, then you're going to wake up every day and you're just going to wonder. And I don't, I don't mean, I mean, wonder from Alabama. That's how we say it, man. You're just going to roam in life meaningless without significance. That's not what God designed you for. Are you hearing me? There should be something every day that quickens your heart that causes you to go pray and say, God, I need you in this. If I don't have that, I need to go find it. Yes. So, you, you know, here's a here's a quote that I heard. I remember I remember exactly where I was at 21 years ago. A guy named Richard uh, Crisco said this. He was preaching and, and it was, I don't know, there's probably about. 7,000 of us there, something like that, maybe 5,000. And he said, he said this, he said, imagination without follow through is mere fantasy. Because here's the thing. So many of us can sit back, lay in our bed at night all cozy and dream about doing stuff for God. But until you begin to follow through on some things, guess what? You just live in a fantasy. Yeah, you got to follow through on some things. So today, here's what I'm believing, that God's going to speak to you. And hopefully that he's going to give you some things that you need to do 
so you can prepare for what he's called you to do. Yes. All right. So watch this. Let me show you a verse. and We're almost done. Thanks for being really patient. Yes, I've went an hour already, but thanks for being patient. All right. So let me show you a uh, verse here. Habakkuk 2, 2 says, then the Lord answered me and said, write the vision and make it plain. Write the vision and make it plain. Um, here's what's neat about this verse to me is that it's God's way of inviting us into a kingdom principle. Because God has already wrote the vision and made it plain it's from Genesis to Revelation. So he's inviting us to do something that he's already done, but for our own lives, to write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. There needs to be something that we've set before us that we can read and say, okay, God, so I can run. It's not just for, listen, it's got to be for us first. Yes? And then it says, for the vision is yet for a point in time. We've said that again and again and again. But at the end it will speak and it will not lie. So have confidence in what God speaks to you. It says, though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. And then it says, behold the proud. His soul is not upright in him. This is the last part. It's very key. But the just shall live by his faith. Just shall live by whose faith? His. Not somebody else's. Your own faith. Can't lean on anybody else in this. got to be your own. Okay? There's that old saying in the last quote I'll give you. That if we fail to plan, we plan to fail. If we fail to plan, we plan to fail. So listen, what's the plan for your life? Okay? So do, do me a favor here, okay? Do yourself a favor. Um, who, raise your hand if you have something to write with and to write on. Y'all hang tight with me, okay? All right. So watch this. Austin, come here, please. Micah, come here. If you do not have something to write on or to write with, lift your hands, please. Take those. Take those. I mean, lift your hands, please. All right. Hold, hold tight. Here's what we're going to do, okay, today. Once again, thanks for being patient. Um, what I want to do in a second is I just simply want to play some music. And I told you at the beginning that we're going to make room. We want to hear from God, right? So we're going to play some music in a minute. And just kind of while you're sitting in your seat, I want you to really begin to ask God. And I'm going to give you kind of a list of questions, just kind of probe your thinking. But, but begin to write down what the Lord speaks to you. Because the goal is, is that when you leave here today, hopefully there will be something that you can step out on. Fair enough? And that you, can, that you can begin to walk out. Once again, we're talking about refocus, recalibrating. If it's a new vision, new perspective, new purpose for your life, whatever it is. It might even be something that's old. You know, t- today you may not hear anything. And if you don't hear anything, it's probably because you haven't done something with the last thing he told you. Okay? So, just raise your hand if you need something to write with or to write on. These guys are going to make their way and they're going to hand it to you. Okay? Tell you what, just close your eyes. If you have your phone, you can do it on your phone. Um, we're modern. All right. All right, so let's just close our eyes really quick and we'll pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you that you do have a plan and a purpose for every one of our lives. And Lord, um, I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would come this moment. First of all, that you would wake us up. Secondly, God, that you would um, just begin to speak to our hearts today. God, help us to take an honest and needed and healthy evaluation of, of who we are, where we're at, where we're going. Holy Spirit, we just pray today that your voice would be released and, God, that you would speak to us. God, if there's any hindrances in our own heart 
our lives, God, that, that keep us from hearing. Lord, we ask you to remove it. And, uh, Father, just peace of God, just settle in this place. Settle in our hearts. Father, we make room for you to say whatever you want to say. So, so listen, as you're kind of this mindset, and you turn the music up a little bit, it's fine. I, I want to read a few questions to you here, just kind of probe your thinking. But think about this. What does God desire to do in me during this next season? What is God speaking? What has God been speaking to your heart? How does he want to fulfill what he's been speaking in your life? How does he want to fulfill his plan? You know, to, to even ask yourself in an honest way, is there anything that's hindering me from fulfilling the call on my life? What do I desire to change in my life? And please don't think about other people and situations. Think about in you things that you can be responsible for. Um, what areas do I need to grow in? Maybe it's I need to be more consistent, more disciplined. What are some old challenges and obstacles that I need victory in? What areas of my life do I need to surrender to the Holy Spirit? What are some relationships I need to establish to improve or to work on? Um, what needs to happen in me so I can be more successful in my Christian walk? What are my core values? What are my non-negotiables? So we're just going to turn this music up a little bit and just believe that the Holy Ghost is going to talk to you. Thank you again, by the way. You know, earlier I talked about, you know, hey, when all said and done, here's the things I want people to say about me. Those things have kind of, for me, have created core values that I live from. And I just simply have nine of them. Share with you today, just hopefully that maybe it'll spark something in you. Uh, but the first one for me is this, is I want to be authentic. I want to be authentic. I just want to be real, genuine. Second one is I want to be intentional. Third one is be excellent. Fourth one is be truthful. Fifth one is to be trustworthy. Sixth one is to be courageous. Seventh is to be loving. Eighth one is to be honoring. And nine, to be empowering. I could give you a litany pretty much for every one of those. But anyways, here's kind of what I personally do with those nine things. This is for me. As I have found scriptures for those areas, then I take them to prayer and I pray into those because once again, I want those things to come alive in me. I want them to become a, a natural part of me because all those haven't always been natural. Okay. But there's things that I feel like from the Lord that he wants me to be. And so I've been to pray, you know, I begin to pray those things. The next thing I've done is I've found books or sermons or whatever, and I've listened to or read that kind of correlate those things. So revelation can come into my life from those areas. And then the, the fourth thing I do with those areas is I've tried to surround myself with people that exemplify those qualities. Because the bottom line is, you know, there's that, there's that old saying, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. At the end of the day, who I really try to spend time with is who I see Jesus in and who I see those qualities. And I feel like there's something that I can learn from them. You know, most of the time I get around those people and I'm asking questions once again. And I'm being very intentional in my questions because I'm trying to get somewhere. Does that make sense? And I'm hoping that I can learn something from their from their strengths. Anyway, so hopefully that makes sense to you. Okay, can you guys stand to your feet? So two quick announcements before we pray here.
The first one is this. It's just a reminder that the office will be closed this week. If you need us, obviously we're available. You can still email us. We'll check our emails. Um, and the last one is this. is you, When you go out today on the table in the back there, you'll see a, a thing for uh, an awesome ministry here in the city that we support. It's called CareNet. And uh, CareNet uh, you know, works basically with, with women that are considering abortion or just trying how to raise their kid. Awesome ministry, powerful. So, you know, like I said before, we support that monthly as a church. But, but what they are hoping is uh, that people would make a $5 a month donation, and they're hoping that they'll get enough people that will cover their costs throughout the year. So I just encourage you to pray about that. There's more information in the back. Uh, once again, a powerful ministry, a great, great ministry to, to sow seed into and partner with. All right, let's pray one more time and we'll get out of here. Father, we thank you for speaking to our hearts today. Father, we thank you that you love us that much. Father, we thank you that you desire and long, God, and you hope that we will fulfill the plan that you have for our lives. In fact, Lord, you've, you've invited us, and Lord, you're so willing to empower us. Uh, Lord, not only as individuals, but also for those who are married in here as couples, Lord, that you've called us to do great and significant things in your kingdom. And so, Father, this list that we have, God, you know what's on it because, Lord, you spoke it to us. And, Lord, we just uh, submit and surrender every one of those things to you today. And we ask, God, that you would come as we surrender them. God, that you would help us. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would come and help us to get victory and, uh, and over every one of these areas. We ask that you would help these areas to be rooted in us so we can fulfill it and uh, fulfill your heart and your plan for our lives. And so really, just Lord, we're asking for help. And we're asking for encouragement in life. God, we pray that you'd breathe life into it. And Lord, in fact, we ask today that it wouldn't be a difficult thing. In fact, Lord, we ask, God, that which has been difficult in the past, Lord, we pray that it would be easy in this season because it's a season of grace. And so, Lord, today, just release your grace, God, over every one of these people. Father, we thank you, God, that your mercies are new every morning. Father, we thank you that there's hope and there's life, that there's no condemnation. But, Lord, it's uh, just... Bottom line, you're just happy, you're, you're, you uh, enjoy, you delight in us walking with you. And so, Father, thank you for helping us, uh, even from our own hearts, delight to walk with you. So, Lord, we just honor you and we give you these things today. God, watch over us as we go today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Um, if you need prayer, uh, Miss Marion, Mr. Bob will be up here. And uh, so will Angela. And my man Ben over there, they'll be here if you need prayer. God bless you guys.